From Nashville, Tennessee, Southwestern Family of Companies welcomes you to the Action Catalyst. Each week, we share insights and inspiration for movers and shakers in the world of business. Our goal is to help you increase your self-discipline, overcome procrastination, and help you to take action on all the things that really matter. Team-based productivity. How do you get your team to be more efficient and effective? That is sort of the theme of today's show. And we have an author who's a longtime friend of mine, an expert in the space, talking about evaluating productivity tips from the perspective, not of an individual like we usually hear, but of a team. Another action-packed episode, think teamwork, think high-productive, high-producing, high-performing teams, think about the power of community and doing things with people who are all around you. That is the theme of the show today. I hope you love it. I think you will. We'll get started just after this message. This episode is sponsored by Southwestern Coaching. Southwestern Coaching has helped over 11,000 people increase their incomes by over 25% on average. As a successful salesperson, you know the importance of increasing your sales, but sometimes you might just need a little extra push and accountability to meet your goals and grow your business. Southwestern Coaching will help you increase your income through one-on-one sales and leadership coaching tailored specifically to your needs. Together, we will elevate sales. To schedule your free one-on-one business action planning session with a Southwestern coach, go to www.southwesternconsulting.com forward slash action catalyst. There are people who have mentored me for years and years and years and people who have learned from and people who I follow and study and Laura Stack is one of those people, specifically in the space of productivity she is you know really has owned that word she is called the productivity pro and is has released her eighth book which we'll talk about here in just a second she's a hall of fame speaker she is featured regularly in national media npr cnn new york times and you know writes for several different columns and was a past president of the national speakers association how i met her is an mba she's been in the business for over 25 years and so she's she's coming at it from all these different angles and just one of the things that about her so her newest book which is what we're going to talk about today is called faster together accelerating get this your team's productivity and that is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring her on because I thought that was a, a, a unique angle and slant on productivity is talking about team productivity. So, uh, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Happy to be on the show with you. Oh, well, you you are a darling. And I um, I can't honestly say that I know of another book that exists on team, like team productivity. Is that... <laughs> Is that kind of why you wrote it, or like yes. you just kind of go, yeah? Well, you know, it was very purposeful in the sense that I've always been working with teams, but they're really, and there's a lot of team books, you know, teamwork, handling conflict, team building, there were a lot of books, yeah. but becoming more productive collectively it really isn't out there, and 
after all these years in business, you know, it's funny, we both talk about improving personal productivity and your performance, and all of that is good, and, and I think that's important. I still do. I still think each person should try to continuously work on their own organization and efficiency and time management skills, and all of those things are important, and it's very hard to be productive if you are surrounded by people who do not care about improving their productivity. So I finally got to a point in working with all these clients where it's like, yeah, I could be so productive if it were for all these people, right? It, it, and it came up over and over again. And all these losers that I... All these losers who were, I mean, if they would just be as organized as I am, you know, and I used to just brush that aside and be like, oh, gosh, you know, everybody says that. That's the victim mentality. Have self-control. Don't worry about other people, you know. But then you finally realize that work can become kind of a traffic jam of sorts uh, if other people are bottlenecks, if they miss deadlines, if you're continually waiting on them to give you information, and I thought, what would it look like to engage a team of people in working on their productivity as a whole rather than just dealing with people one-on-one? So that's the key difference. Yeah, and you talk about, speaking of traffic, you, there's a, a sort of like an analogy in the book about a team car, right? Oh, so you, can, yeah. you, can you tell us what, what that's all about and how does it, you know, how does it count? Yeah. Well, in Denver, you know, it all started with getting – special lanes if you wanted to pay extra if you had, you know, multiple people in your vehicle. I think that's in many large cities. And you just kind of laugh at the poor sap sitting there in their own cars in the slow lane, you know, while you're blazing through with your family or friends or or a larger group of people in the fast lane. And I thought that's pretty much like it is at work. You know, if everybody's in their own individual car, working in silos, working by themselves, versus what if we could all jump into a team car, you know, where everybody was working together in one car, pulling together in the same direction for the same goals. Yeah, and what would that look like if we could all be, and that's what I called it, faster together, you know, being in the fast lane, and the whole book uses the analogies, I don't know if you saw in the cover, but it's a red Corvette, uh, so <laughs> I talk about... Near, near to your heart. Yes, getting as a, a, a wonderful gift for a Lifetime Achievement Award I received, a, a gift of a Corvette, a red Corvette, and going to Corvette Owners Driving School, because... I really didn't know how to drive it. I mean, I thought I did. But until I got to this school and the instructor took me on a ride that I thought I was going to die, literally, I was riding shotgun, I had no idea the car could be driven that way, right? You just don't understand its capabilities. And it's very similar to that. You don't know the capabilities of your team members until you really dive into this purposeful, collective, focused effort. And I think a team is the most powerful productivity machine in existence now. I am convinced of it. And in my work with clients, this has really shifted my focus from helping people 
uh, you know, to uh, keep their inbox empty. Yeah, that's important, but let's talk as a team about why are we getting 300 emails a day you know, from each other. And so it just really changes the conversation at work. Yeah, and so you, you use FAST. That's kind of uh, when you go to the <laughs> book, you'll see FAST is sort of like the acronym for the book is the sort of four four parts, um, fairness, yeah. accountability, systems, and technology. And I'd like to kind of understand, yeah, why are we getting, why are, why is everyone getting 300 emails a day? <laughs> and what, you know, what can we do? So, so mm-hmm. can, can we just kind of walk through the fast framework a little bit and, and, you know, like, let's start with fairness. Like what, sure. how does, that's an interesting word to me because when I think about productivity, I see accountability, systems, and technology, and I go, check, check, check. All of those, to me, are very clearly related to productivity. Mm, but yeah. when I saw fairness, that word was like, hmm, what in the heck does, what in the world does fairness have to do with productivity? Yes, that's a great question. Well, when I was looking at these four keys, uh, keys, of course, to a productive team, and, you know, each one has accelerators, and then each of those accelerators has speed bumps. I did a lot of, you know, interviews with clients, the same things you did when you wrote your book, you know, do online surveys and, and testing of questions, and this issue continually came up. Um, it's not fair because, you know, so-and-so just kind of sits there and doesn't do the work, and so it all falls on me. Um, you know, when it's a really busy time, so-and-so isn't pitching in when everybody else is working. Uh, this person never gives discretionary effort to the team. You know, they kind of just clock in and clock out. In other words, Rory, it's just this sense of people aren't just in the workplace. They don't, they, they don't follow these protocols, these, these courtesies, even sometimes just informal guidelines that are supposed to exist, but just aren't always applied. You know, and so what would it look like? You know, how, how would team productivity actually improve if everybody took initiative, if everybody pitched in where needed, if everybody did their share of the work, you know, if everybody had their workload and actually did it. So that's well, how do you get someone to do that? Like, of fairness. If, let's say you, if you have that person though, and and everyone goes, oh, you know, this person is doing the minimum just to get fired. And if you're not the boss, you don't really have any authority to sort of fire them per se. Right. How do you well, do? The that? funny thing is that person that you're complaining about is complaining about you. Uh, and, and it always happens. You engage the team. You can't make people change, but you can certainly ask Katie what some of the things are and allow that person to own part of that process. So this program has worked as, as literally as a team. You know, you can buy the book and you can read it, but it's not going to really do any good. Uh, versus if you have eight people on your team and you have eight copies and now you've got the car chief guide, you've got the, poop, the pit crew guide, everybody is working through their issues. They take the assessment, they know what their challenges are, they go, do they do the worksheets? And Susie's over there feeling pretty smug, but you do it in a way that's non-threatening. And so that's what I find is by allowing people to own the process and to have a say, guess what just got created? Guidelines, what happens then? Peer pressure. 
right? It's like, hey, you were here. I heard you say this. You participated in this process. And some people even blow up the posters and put them on the walls you know, in the meeting rooms uh, so that everybody can remember what they, what they agreed to. But many times people just don't, they feel misunderstood. And you're kind of, so you're kind of pushing it back to the team rather than mm-hmm. so-and-so's in charge or one person has a problem. You're saying as a team, you come together and you kind of collectively set a goal. You kind of collectively set what the yep. culture should be and what should yes. be expected. And now everyone yes. is, everyone's accountable to the team versus whatever their individual perception or. Right. Um, and when you were part of that process, now you are willing to be accountable. Whereas, in fact, the leader of the team, the team leader, doesn't even lead this process. I specifically talk in the book about why I don't want the team leader to lead this team process. Uh, we use a car chief analogy like they do, uh, you know, in racing. And that person does all the scheduling and coordinating and facilitating. I wanted just to be kind of the team's speed demon, you know, the person who is most interested, uh, kind of reminds me of the Tasmanian devil just, you know, vroom, rushing around the office. They've always, always got a lot going on, busy, busy, busy. That's the kind of person you want to get people engaged in this process. But, yes, I find that that ownership is the key piece rather than trying to tell them or make them or uh, cajole them into doing things your way. Okay, so I like that. So I buy, I buy into that idea. Okay, you get the whole the whole team together, and now they're all they're all bought in on something. So then mm-hmm. accountability, you know, using yeah. the fast framework. So that A is accountability, and is yep. that? I mean, are those obviously connected because now they're all accountable to the to the to the group? Right. They've kind of decided what's fair for everybody. Exactly. And once you've got that fairness piece in place, and you know, trust takes uh, doesn't take long to break, but takes a long time to build. Right. And so, you know, there's a point where when you when you tell someone you're going to do something, they need to be able to trust that you're actually going to follow through. And so this takes uh, a look at your responsibilities. A lot of people just don't even agree on what each team member is responsible for. And it's fascinating. I mean, we have job descriptions, which are bogus. You know, they never reflect what people actually do. And if you ask any team member, you know, what's so-and-so responsible for? Or, you know, list the top three things you think this person is responsible for. And I'm going to list the top three things I think this person's responsible for. And we're going to compare those two lists. They're rarely the same. In fact, even you're more saying the scary, leader and the person. You're saying the no, leader. No, any the team member, any team member for any other team member, and the leader. Yeah, if you ask your boss, you know, what are the top three things you think I'm responsible for, and I'm going to write those down, and then you're going to compare them. That's really scary when those aren't the same because you know, that means you're spending your time in ways that aren't valued by your biggest customer. In this case, you know, the team leader, your boss, your direct manager. But by actually going through and saying, you know, does everyone understand? and own and focus on their key responsibilities. Indeed, we find out a lot of people are doing things that they shouldn't be focused on. It's not high-value work. Um, They could be distracted by other projects, you know, or people keep loading things on top of them, but now they're overwhelmed that they can't get to some of their key responsibilities. And so it's a very purposeful shifting of understanding what our main roles are, and then what are the things that we would do that support that. So, for example, I'm in my company the brand builder. That's one of my key roles, and we use titles like that in this exercise. Uh, I'm the brand builder. And so as the brand builder, 
Writing books is a good use of my time. Um, building media relationships, that's a good use of my time. Writing blog articles is, but what about load it up into constant contact and check the links and pay for the list? See, a lot of times people are doing things on a team that doesn't even belong under one of their key responsibilities, and then everybody wonders, why are they so overloaded and they can't get this project done? Um, so the accountability piece involves a lot of juggling of responsibilities as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking to myself, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be fascinating if you, ha- if you were clear about job descriptions and you hired someone with a job description, and then a year later you had them write their own job description, and then you compared the two to see... What, what do you they, really do? Yes, and that's what we're trying to drive at because I find that team members are involved in doing a lot of things that are non-value added in terms of what their boss and their team members expect of them. So it's very hard to be accountable if you don't have very clear understandings and expectations on the team about what those goals are. So would that just be a document for each person? Like we had success sheets at Southwestern Consulting for a while. And we've gotten away from it over time, but it's, you know, everybody yeah. had like a one, one page sheet. I mean, is it is to execute this? Is it that simple? Everybody. It can be. Um, it can be done in a graphical way uh, with drawings. We call them the three buckets, where the buckets of stuff that you do that fulfill your time, and then the things that are the responsibilities listed under there, and then you find, oh, my gosh, this is this, what is this orphan project over here? This doesn't even fit anywhere, you know, or here's something that's consuming 10 hours of my week, and it's not even in one of the buckets that you've defined for me. So you can use a lot of mind maps, uh, but, yes, eventually you come up with a sheet that is, it's not a job description of sorts, but it lets everybody know what those key accountabilities are and what those roles are, which helps you as a team if you have something new, now you know, do we need to streamline this or delegate it or outsource it or eliminate it? You know, yeah. how are we going to get our workload down to the reasonable level? Well, and that's what I would wonder is, is people doing all this stuff, and this is almost like an audit, right? It's like everyone's going, oh, here's what I'm doing. You go, wow, yeah. I didn't really even know you were doing that. And it's like right. there's, one con- there's one question of going, do we even need to do that, and can you eliminate it? But there's another question of going, it does need to be done. You're really mm-hmm. not the person for it, but we don't have a person. I mean, is part of this sort of reveal like, hey, we're understaffed? I mean, do you, is that coming out of these conversations? or is it, it can. Usually? It can. It doesn't usually. Uh, sometimes, but, you know, it's, it, everyone complains about they don't have enough people. I mean, I've never heard a team yet say they don't have enough people, you know. So it's a matter of figuring out, okay, if we don't have that person, well, yeah, someone may need to do that if there literally is no one else Um, to do that, but it needs to be a conversation by design, and that's not usually done, and then everybody feels so overwhelmed, and then a lot of the things that people do, they're either redundant, or there's overlap, or there's not really a strength in that area, or the manager hasn't given them permission to push back on this department where they suddenly got this responsibility thrown in their laps and now they just kind of do it and nobody knows why. I mean, all kinds of crazy things can come out of that analysis. But in the end, you end up with those accountabilities. And the things that you're spending your time are really are the things that are impactful for the team. And what then you can decide you what's that? 
you said something about it needs to be a, an intentional design or a, a designed conversation or what was the phrase? Yeah, I mean, I, I said that it, instead of by default, it needs to be by design. In other words, if you do something that there literally is no one else to do and you can't eliminate it or outsource it or hire it out or delegate it and you go, well, I guess I'm the only one, at least then everyone understands on purpose, by design, not by default, we're having you work on this task and here's why. Right? So that way we can understand where is your 40 hours going? I mean, people literally don't know what do you do during the day and where is your time actually being spent. It also helps weed out a lot of time-wasting activities. I can tell you that, too. <laughs> so, okay. Now, uh, I'm interested in about systems. So, And you've got systems separated from technology, which I thought was like my brain typically would kind of group those as yes. related. What's yes. the difference between systems and technology? Systems are processes, procedures, checklists, you know, models, step-by-step. Step. So we have a system that we use to register someone for a seminar. We have a system that we use to book travel for a speech. We have a system that we use to coach someone through a sales skill, correct? It's a system. Um, so mm-hmm. it's a process. It's a methodology. It's a procedure. It's, um, it's a plan. Versus technology, we're looking at specific uh, devices, mediums, you know, email, meetings, text, uh, you know, one-on-one conversation, intranets, websites. And so that's the difference between the two. The technology is kind of what we're using, you know, the technical means to solve a problem. And I would... I would have to say, like, we have a, you know, we, we have a digital marketing division at Southwestern Consulting that, you know, so for us, because we're elevating sales, we consider mm-hmm. lead generation, you know, a part of that responsibility. And our digital marketing consultants are always talking about how strategy is more important than technology. Like the strategy first, and then, That's right. you know, you build the technology. So you would agree with that. That's correct. And the, the lead generation system itself could be broken. There could be parts of that system that are inefficient. There could be a piece of technology used in the system. You know, if you gave everybody uh, uh, dinosaur computers, <laughs> I mean, I'm making it up. Of course, they're blazing fast. But there are pieces of a system that could break down related to technology. But, yes, you've got to figure out what that system is first, and then you can build the technology in. One has to follow the other. That's why I've kind of put it in this very specific order. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so what are the big mistakes? Like, so technology, we're, we'll leave technology for later, uh, but with, with, with systems, what are some of the big mistakes that you think related, again, here back to the team conversation? Where yeah. are the gaps there? Where, where are their systems breaking down? Because to me, that's sort of fascinating is that I would think a lot of times, tell me if I'm wrong, but I would guess that a lot of people point to technology and say, 
our technology sucks. We need a new machine. We need a new whatever. We need a new website. Yeah. And the reality is it's not the technology so much. It's the system. No. Really it's usually the system. And typically it's a team system of some type. Uh, you know, I worked with a large telecom firm here in Denver a few weeks ago, and they have, with the HR team, you know, and as part of one of their systems and providing customer service to their, in this case, employees, you know, are their customers. Uh, they were providing reports on CEUs. And so they had this whole system that they used to provide CEUs to people. And one of them, after our conversation, sent it out with a note that said, if you want to re- continue receiving this, um, please call me. And got no phone calls. And so when you, when you look at, you know, and I said, this is, this is really great information. You've got this huge system in place that has no value to your customer. So that's a possibility, right, that you need to reevaluate. Does the system even make sense? Um, there was another system where to find out how much vacation time an employee had, a lot of the, you know, they use the word old-timers who had worked, who worked at this company forever. Well, they, to find out how much time they had on vacation, they would just call HR. And they have a perfectly good system that they can look it up themselves, but instead of pushing back and saying, hey, you know, here's how you can get that information, they would just help them. You know, so the whole system that they had uh, revolved around re-education, re-educating their employees on how to get that information. Um, some systems like the CFO was telling me and bragging about how she had, they had this system where she would take pictures of her receipts with her phone, you know, and upload this and do all this and it would generate this. And, you know, and I just kept coming back to, wait a minute, you're the CFO? You know, you make a quarter of a million dollars and you're, you're taking pictures and uploading and creating your own expense reports, which is a $15 an hour activity. Where is this system broken? You know, so sometimes it's the wrong, uh, person involved in the system. I mean, there's all kinds of crazy things that, that can go on in here. You know, so basically you're looking at what are those obstacles that the team has to actually put the brakes on, slow down, go over, you know, and, and we want to bulldoze all those obstacles that are inefficient pieces of all of those various processes. Every team has, geez, you know, 50, 100 different processes when you really break it down. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I have one more question for you. Before we do that, where should people go if they want to uh, find the Faster Together book or connect with you? Where do you want to point people to? Yeah, they can just go to the book's website, which is fastertogetherthebook.com. Last little question here, Laura. If somebody is listening and they're going, yeah, this is interesting, like the carpool analogy, and they're going, yeah, my, I got a bunch of people driving their own individual cars and we got traffic and we don't have... <laughs> We don't have enough carpooling going on. Um, what? So basically, to say, if if they're realizing, gosh, our team is not really working synergistically together. What is kind of the first thing that you would say if you were going to try to move the needle on team productivity? This is the very first thing that you should do. This is the immediate, uh, affordable, implementable action step that you can that you can do. 
Well, what I would suggest they do, and this is what we do with our clients and it works, is to have them send everybody the link to fastertogetherthebook.com and just ask them to take the assessment. That's it. And it will send them a report and everybody brings the reports to a meeting. And it is incredibly eye-opening. There are instructions, and the team can begin a dialogue by saying, you know, out of these, what is the number one thing that came up? Uh, and put it on the board, and boom, you've got a four-week, six-week action plan um, that you can use to work through. So I think the first piece is awareness. It's just simply letting people know that you would love to work on this with them, not pointing fingers in the sense of, you know, fix so-and-so over here. Uh, but let's that work on... more fun. That would be a fun, that would be a fun meeting. Just have a blame <laughs> yeah. meeting. Well, everybody okay, just blames everybody. Let me tell you why you suck. And there's very specific procedures that we use, talk about systems, uh, to, to get around that. But that would be the easy, free fast, 15-minute step to get everybody excited and working on the fast team program together. And at least, if you don't even do the program, to just engage everybody in a conversation around it. It's a great meeting activity anyway. Yeah, I think it would be fascinating to see. You know, I'm thinking about yeah, you should do it with your team. Let me what know do what you happens. actually do every day, and what do you think so-and-so does um, and I bet they're just radically different and uh, interesting. It well, is. thank yeah. you, Laura, and thank you, um, you know, thank you for this. I, I think, again, even just the concept here of team productivity is is fresh, and I like that a lot. It's not even something that I even really thought so much about. You productivity has been historically such an in a individualized conversation and so I think this is this is a powerful space that you're breaking into and awesome. thank you for that. Around. So we wish you all Great. the best. Thanks for that feedback. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. I really, really love just the topic of the conversation of faster together and this idea of team productivity. To me that's so unique and original. And I think what Laura has done here is is very cool and and similar in a way where she's saying, hey, change the lens of the conversation to not just individuals, but to teams. And I think that is really powerful. Specifically here, what Laura was saying as it relates to Faster Together, I there were a couple key parts and key insights for me that I took away just thinking about how can we apply this to our team. First of all, I thought the analogy that she used of the carpooling thing was really cool. I, I you know, the the carpool lane is faster than the in rush hour than everything else, right? And and that is very descriptive. I think an accurate visual of how a lot of the workplace culture feels today is it's like a traffic jam. There's 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 so much volume of tasks and to-do items and communication and it's like, oh my gosh, we're all sort of operating independently with our own our own sort of sole focus and this idea of going, hey, what if we operated as a team and we really stepped back and said, how could we do this better as a team? I thought that was a very powerful analogy. It's just like these people in the carpool lane sailing past everybody and you know, if you're by yourself, you sort of look over there with jealousy going, gosh, I wish I, yeah, I wish I had somebody with me. Well, that's a, what a cool idea, a way to think about productivity as, as a team and, and working more together. I, I thought that was powerful. Um, in terms of the actions, what are your, what are your actions or more specifically, I think, what are my actions? 
That is, if this happens to be the first episode you've ever listened to of the show, one of the reasons we call it the Action Catalyst is we're trying to boil down whatever we're learning from our guests into actions that you can take on every single episode. There were there were three big actions that I, I came up with from listening to Laura that I thought might be fascinating and fun and also productive. The first one is, we kind of talked a lot about it and sort of danced around it, but just reducing it to a direct action would be to take your team meeting at your next team meeting, have everybody write down what their, write their own job description for what they do every day, right? So you don't, or the leader doesn't, and not what is their formal job description, but just as a fun exercise in your next team meeting, have everyone take five minutes and write their own job description of their own job, and then just simply pass it around. Just rotate them around the room and I think that could be extremely powerful of just people knowing what everyone else is doing or at least knowing what everyone else prioritizes. And that could just be huge. So I thought that was such a cool idea and a simple thing. And if nothing else, it's just kind of fun and, and creative and it's interactive. A great thing to do maybe for a team meeting. The second thing, and I guess that one was really around her idea of fairness and accountability. The second thing is to create a checklist of checklists. To create a checklist of checklists. What do I mean by this? Well, I really appreciated what she was talking about with systems. And what I was thinking about is that a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of entrepreneur entrepreneurial circles, they talk about kind of working on your business versus working in your business. And they talk about building a business that would run without you. And if you think about a business in that that sense and you said, what would happen if the leader disappeared? Right? Like, think about that for a second. What would happen if the leader disappeared? And so there was no one to sort of like call the shots. Well, if you have a great business, then hopefully not much would change right? Like in the long term, because the vision would probably not be there, things might change. But in the short term, really nothing should change. If it's a really solid business and a solid team, there should be processes in place that would continue on without a leader or a group of leaders having to be there to sort of tell people what to do. And those are businesses that scale. And part of the reason why is because they're running a series of systems, running a series of checklists, if you will. And so just taking a second to think, what are the most important checklists or the most important processes in your business? And do you have those processes reduced down to a checklist? Like, for example, when, when, we, when we bring on a new client, there is a whole series of things that needs to happen. Or when we bring on a new consultant or a new coach or a new speaker to our team, there's this whole list of things that needs to happen. Well, are those documented or do they only sort of live in people's heads? If they're not documented, then that is naturally conflicting and counterbalancing your ability to scale and to to grow and to just operate uh, it just means your systems aren't as strong. Whereas if you have it documented and, and to have a checklist of checklists is really powerful because you go, these are our most important processes. And we need to make sure that this 
checklist of checklists. The checklists on this list that all of these processes, these are our key processes, are documented, they are distributed, they are well known, everyone knows where to get them. And so if something happened to the leaders or the whole leadership, business would continue on as usual because we're following processes. If you have that in place, then you have a great team that is moving faster together. You have team productivity as as something that is a a realistic possibility. Um, And then the third thing, and this just was kind of inspired by some of what she was saying to me. Uh, I don't think she necessarily came out and said this directly, but is all of the unnecessary activities that people get caught up doing. And specifically, what I was thinking about is making a list of unnecessary meetings and unnecessary reports. So we see a lot of times with clients um, and even inside our own business that we're doing these things. Like she was, uh, she was talking about the CEU credits, and you know, basically they have this whole big system and machine tracking this. And you know, as it, come, as it turns out, maybe nobody really cares. But we do stuff like that. And I don't know the details of that exact situation, but it, it kind of caused me to think, you know, there's so many processes that we do just because we've always done that process, which is starts out as a good thing. That's part of like the checklist of checklists. But then over time, you kind of have to constantly be reevaluating those because you go, somebody is running through the motions of doing this thing because it used to be very important. But now maybe nobody cares. And so you have to be taking inventory of what are these, what are all the meetings that are happening and are they all really necessary? And what are all the reports that are being created? And do we really need them? Is anybody even really looking at those reports? And, and, or are there elements of the report that it's like, you know, it's taking time. It's, it's this hidden cost of wasted time in organizations, just in general, the mindset and the attitude and the commitment to going, we are going to be as ruthless about wasted time as we are about wasted money. That is part of a next generation leader's mindset. We're going to be as ruthless about wasted time as we are about wasted money. Nobody would let team walk around and just, you know, to set money on fire. We everyone would freak out. But that's exactly what is happening in all these different ways through our organization when people are just doing activities because we've always done them or they're engaged in things that don't aren't really that critical. And so I I think I just think this is kind of a cool idea this concept of team productivity and just being as relentless about wasted time as we are about wasted money. And hopefully today and every time that you come here and you listen, will encourage you and inspire you to be better as a leader, be better as a team member, as a team member, and just work faster together as a team. So thanks for being here. We love you. We wish you the best, and we'll catch you next time. Well, that about wraps up the Action Catalyst podcast for this week. If you haven't yet, please log in to whatever your favorite medium is to listen to the show and both rate this podcast and leave a comment as that helps new prospective listeners determine if the show's really a good fit for them. If you enjoy this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and screenshot this episode to share with your friends on social media. 
Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Action Catalyst and subscribe to our video podcast on YouTube. Thanks for listening.